with Podcast Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. You know, until you go through it, uh, you know, you don't really know. But again, you just, it's football and you're in a leadership position. I feel like I've been that. Uh, uh, a little bit different role in some ways and, and some the same, exact same. And But you got to be aware of everything going on in regards to management. And uh, uh, so as opposed to being on that whiteboard until somebody tells you that you it's time for the defense to go back out, you know, that that's going to be different. But I, there's going to be times when I need to be on a whiteboard just because that's what I want to do. And uh, but I gotta I gotta manage the whole team too, and in the game itself, and again I'm relying on other people to help in that management. But ultimately it's my responsibility, and uh, so that's I'm I'm incredibly excited about it. Um, we've uh, gone through our mock uh, games, and but nothing is going to be like the actual game day itself. There's University of Oklahoma head football coach Brent Venables talking about some of the game day management stuff there. Um, they've gone through mock game day, uh, you know, talking about some of the sideline situations he may have to deal with. These are all things that we talk about when we haven't played a football game yet. I, right? Dude, it, it, it annoys me so much. And I get, like, we oh. – it, it, The question, Teddy, is almost like he's never been on a sideline before and people don't know how he's going to react or what, if he's going to know what to do in between the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he'll be fine. He'll do okay. Yeah. He'll be fine. He'll, he'll do – once the ball's kicked off – and you know, especially once the game is over and we're sitting here on Monday talking about what went down, barring some type of tragedy out there, um, we're not going to be talking about, well, it's first game, you know, I, how do you think he handled that sideline whenever he was over there on the whiteboard whenever Dylan Gabriel threw an interception, you know, as if it wouldn't have happened if he was standing there watching the, the offense go, you know, so – like that stuff's just not going to happen. There's just lack of really other other content right now until until we go. I mean, there's unknown there, so you have to you fiddle around with it a little bit. But yeah, this is the conversation needs to be more about what 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 does this team actually look like and how prepared are they? The the game day stuff is going to be just fine. Oh, I I think the question right now of hey Brent, what's it going to be like? on the sideline as the head coach for the first time is equivalent to why did you come to Oklahoma? I mean, come on. We could do a little bit better than that, right? Surely. Surely we could do better than that. He'll be all right. He's been on a sideline before. He'll conduct himself accordingly. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, at this point, you can ask about the depth chart, but even questions about the depth chart, you know, why is this guy here and that guy there? Well, because they played the best or, you know, they didn't play the best, weren't the most consistent. So 
All that to say, we need football to get here ASAP. Yeah, right? no, we, we, <laughs> we do. do. Well, I mean, you say that, and, we, and it gets here on Saturday, and there's going to be massive overreactions on Saturday night, which I'll take that over the stuff that we're hearing right now. And text line, I do want uh, participation on this one, 405-651-3439. Teddy, I'll let you lead us off here. What's going to be our major overreaction Saturday night about this team? Major overreaction is probably going to be on one of the one of the young players that does something huge late in the game. Whether it's a, a long run by a by a, a, a saw chuck or um, a pass caught by a young guy or a defensive play made by one of the young guys that gets in there late, like that's going to be because everyone loves new. Right? Anytime there's a new guy that has showed up on campus, right, we get more questions on the text line about, well, how's Canick look? How's, how's McKenzie look? Now it's Armason Thomas. About? He's entered yeah. into the mix. We always want new because, you know, we've maybe been frustrated with, the the talent that's been there so anytime someone new does something impressive productive in a game the thought is naturally you go right to that Uh, forget the fact that utep is staring at the clock because they're down 45 points in the fourth quarter and you know the backers are sick of getting you know having the guards up in their face and they're ready to go home, and one of the young running backs rips off a 65-yard run. You know, that is exciting, and it's awesome, and it's fun to witness, but not not always a good way to go off of what the rest of their career is going to be. It's not, but I do agree with you. It's going to be the overreaction is going to be incredibly positive. Because, you know, sometimes the overreaction is very negative well, in terms of what a team looks like after week one, well, right? Uh, we say that right now. It doesn't take much that's for true. it to uh, to be negative. And here's the thing, though. Oh, they still can't tackle. I could I could hear that on Saturday. I, I, you know, this game is not going to be perfect. There's going to be some issues out there. I. Uh, I you know I, I would say maybe an overreaction is we haven't fixed the haven't fixed the secondary it you know the secondary is still going to be an issue right because maybe there's a there's a busted coverage and you give up a a deep pass for a touchdown or something you know you know like those things are going to happen and they're going to happen more and if they're going to happen this season which they are you'd prefer them to happen early on. And you can get those things corrected, and and not have it happen late as the games mean more and more as the season builds. Like if you're going to give up a 65-yard touchdown pass, you'd prefer it happen against UTEP than than Texas or Kansas yeah. State because you've got the you're still going to have obviously really good chance to come back or win the game, or maybe you're already up like four touchdowns when it happens. I but, think. There's Those things are going to happen in this game. There's going to be mistakes. I think the overreaction is going to be the defense as a whole because I think the, the defensive numbers, and they're going to pass the eye test against UTEP on Saturday, and there's going to be an overreaction of, 
I mean, it's already done, man. We thought at first it might take a year or two to have a top 15 defense. They look like a top 15 defense in game one, man. Look at those guys. Look at the way that they tackle and they're flying around and they're showing effort. I, I, I think that we can learn a lot about this defense, and I can think I think that there could be a lot of positives, but I could see an overreaction to where everyone thinks that just automatically after one offseason, they're a top 10, top 15 defense now. Well, yeah, yeah. I guess I'm I'm fairly confident that uh, that it's not going to look that great in in week one. I think it'll look good. Yeah, but I don't think it's going to look like just unbelievably special. I guess is what I'm saying, and I could be wrong about that. No, I mean you could be dead on balls accurate about that but if the tackling is just better then everyone's going to go crazy over that if if the tackling is better and they have a couple pbus on on some deep balls and receivers aren't getting behind the defense and nothing's easy for utep uh yeah people are going to be saying wow it's that that's how easy the transition is they're they're already ready to be an elite defense in year one yeah they got a ways to go you're right they got a ways to go for that you're right. Um, I I don't know. I guess I guess I'm just cautiously optimistic. I I think that we're we're going to look really good, but you know it would not shock me if we gave up some plays and and had some issues and and maybe didn't necessarily have an all out assault on uh on the quarterback. You know, whenever they're they're in the passing game, they're going to do some stuff offensively now and try and keep us off balance a little bit, and and you know try and hit us on some things. They're going to know how to call the game to try and keep it close. Yeah. Is, is what they're going to try and do. And the overreaction, by the way, works both ways. If they have a great defensive game, it does not mean that they're ready to be a top ten defense. But if they give up some plays and they give up fourteen or seventeen points. It does not mean that it's going to take four years for Brent Venables to have a great defense at OU. I, I, yeah. I mean, both things can be true here. But don't overreact right. one way or the other. Yeah, that's that's kind of. I don't know. I'll say this: I hope there's a reason to overreact. You know, I I hope that we have eight sacks on the quarterback and three interceptions, two forced fumbles, and pitch a shutout. I, I hope that's what we're overreacting to. I got no problem overreacting to that. You know what I'm saying? Like let's let's have some uh, let's have some fun talking about how good our defense is and gonna be. Because it's been a while since that's occurred. So I'm I'm all for it. Text line, the overreaction will be that fans are going to be expecting an awesome, mistake-free playoff team on the field from all the hype. It won't be there just yet, but it will be later. I think that there's some truth from that text from the 918, is that everyone's expectations are so high that, and it is unrealistic that this team is just perfect from game one. That's, I mean, that's just, like we said, that's not going to be the case. They, They can look, maybe even improve from what they were, from uh, a lot of points from last year, but yeah, I'm not going in there expecting it to be perfect game one by any stretch. Right. No, I agree. I agree. I, I think that that is 
that is something that I would say I caution you against, but at the same time, it's going to be totally natural, and I'm fine with that. I, I, I'm not going to well sit here and push back show. against it. That's what I care yeah. about, all right? I want all the overreactions yeah. on Saturday night. Which we do. We haven't talked about that. Do we need to discuss, like, what's best for the show for this game? I mean, previously we talked about it and laughed about it. Win, but barely, right? <laughs> and, no, what's and, what's best for the show is obvious. Uh, Gabriel struggles. Davis Bevel struggles. And General Booty leads a 69-yard touchdown drive late in the fourth quarter to win the game and asserts himself as QB1. That's what's best for the show. Yeah. Name me another scenario that's better than that one. Well, uh, I guess it – I don't know. Don't you need – before that stuff – that starts to happen – don't you need to, like, establish some expectations in a very – I mean, I know they're already there, but don't you need to see someone do really well first before that happens? Well, we didn't last year. Or no. <laughs> we didn't last year, right? Uh, Spencer Rattler didn't play all that well until he got – well, I guess he played well in the Kansas State game, and he played well the season before, but – I, I guess. I don't know. What's best for the show, though, is General Booty. He's the hero on Saturday. Yeah. Um, I've got a few questions I want to ask you on the other side. Okay, well, let's get to a few texts here before we get to all that. Major, because I asked okay. the text line to participate. Major overreaction. We have a Lou Groza finalist after the new kicker hits a couple of long field goals. I'd love for that to be an overreaction. I, I yeah. hope that's. I hope that's the case. Hey, uh, absolutely. I'm. I am. Uh, I'm down for that. Sure. The overreaction will be either this is the best defense since 2003, or Brent Venables became a head coach and forgot everything he knows about defense. <laughs> wow. That's going to be the Nebraska uh, response. That I don't think that's going to happen against uh utep or or uh kent state right, the nebraska game that's where we're going to get that type of uh response overreaction our running back performance launches demarco murray into a power five oc job wow it better be an amazing power five oc job i just don't think that he's looking to move just anywhere for another head right. coaching or a, a, another coaching job yeah, I don't think he. I don't think he's, at least at this moment in time, and I could be wrong. I don't think he's got interest in that. Uh, overreaction is going to be the defense is way better than what they truly are. Marcus Major will have a big run. People will proclaim him as Adrian Peterson again. I see what you did there, Peyton. Um, very funny, and yeah, just just basically saying that it's basically going to be the defense. And oh, Booty leads the drive to win it and has to strip the ball away from a running back to score the winning touchdown. Yes, that is it. That is what's best for the show. <laughs> Heisman moment. Um, I'll tell you something that I think is interesting. This will be the fifth year in a row, Tyler, where we have a quarterback making his first start for Oklahoma. It's crazy, isn't it? 
Yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah, and, and still have won a lot of games with that being the case. Normally that means I, – I guess that normally means you haven't been very good at the quarterback position. You've been a kind of a revolving right. door for starters, but that hasn't really been the case here. Hadn't been the case. And I guess technically Kyler had started before, you know, whenever Baker was – you know, suspended for the first series or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, but outside of that, like we've we've had a new quarterback making their debut, and I've got the numbers for the last five quarterbacks making their first start at Oklahoma. And I want to I okay. want to see where you think Dylan right. Gabriel's going to stack um, up on that list. Student section stays for the second half. That's a massive overreaction on the text line. <laughs> I, okay, one one quick question that literally does not matter any like a, at all when it comes to the overall win loss record of this team, but something that the fans might be interested in. Clearly, we are all rooting for USC to lose every single game this year. Uh, we are lose. We are hoping that USC loses to food, as Josh Pate would say. We hope that they lose to Rice this weekend. Now, the uh, scoreboard update during the game can be very entertaining when Texas is losing or another rival is losing. Do you think OU will shy away from showing USC highlights during the game if they're losing? Uh no, you don't think so? Are you kidding me? I mean, I hope not. I'm just, I'm just trying to make sure that that's not going to be like if they're losing to Stanford in week two. I and I don't know if those kickoff times, like uh, you know, cross with each other's game. I'm, I'm just I'm, hoping that they show that. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, or bringing it up right now. I'm not sure what time their their kickoff is, either. But no, absolutely, they um. Like this week, they play Rice at five o'clock uh, p.m. So that that's a night game here, seven o'clock kick. So no, we won't see any of that. Six thirty. No, we probably won't see any of that. We might see some first half highlights. I mean, if they next, if they show a highlight night game, right? Yeah, at Stanford, I think if they if they show a highlight of USC losing at any point in the game, it could be seven nothing. With 14 minutes and 37 seconds left, that place is going to go absolutely insane once they show that score. And I just hope that we get to see that at some point this year. 100%. 100%. Totally agree. All right. Quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Keep the text coming. 651-3439. Hanging out at the Carlstone today. Brand new senior living community right here in the heart of Norman. Tons of great amenities. Several different layouts for these apartments. Um, they've got a garden here. They've got storm shelters, fitness room. Um, they've got a movie room, game rooms. Uh, they've got a beauty and barber shop. Plus, they've got outstanding dining, three meals a day. Really, really cool stuff here at the Carlstone. You can give them a call or check them out online, www.thecarlstone.com.
You know, they're a bowl team. Dana's done a great job, you know, building that program the, the right way uh, with confidence and toughness and physicality. They got a, the best player, um, arguably, is their quarterback. You know, he's a great leader. Everything goes through him. Uh, really tough guy. Uh, they did a great job in the transfer portal. They lost a couple of receivers in the transfer portal, and they, they got a, a couple of junior college players, and one and four in particular. Um, got good, strong, big physical backs. They're committed to the run game. The, well, probably the best coached part of their team is the offensive line. Head coach is an offensive line coach. And uh, they know exactly what they're doing. They make uh, very few mistakes. They're usually in position to uh, keep themselves out of harm's way, if you will, in regards to um, what you're doing on defense. Uh, they know how to attack all the fronts and uh, coverages and uh, your pressures, how to pick it up. They do a really nice job not exposing themselves to a lot of negative plays. And they, they're in a lot of tight games um, a year ago. And this was a tight game. There's Britt Venables from the press conference today talking about UTEP. I know where Teddy gets it now because uh, it happens every single year. We get to Tuesday on a Wednesday and Thursday about an opponent, and Teddy tries to make it sound like they have about 10 All-Americans. So uh, I know where you get it now. You get it from Britt Venables when talking about the other team. So it's good to know. Well, um, hey, he, he, he talked about some important things there. They had – Plenty of opportunities in that game uh, to win it or, at a minimum, to have it be way closer than, than what it ended up being. Um, you know, they, they had a couple of uh, bad turnovers, bad situations that, that went down. Some weird things <laughs> happened to them. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that they are – I'm not going to sit here and act like uh, – they have a, They should have a chance to come in here and beat Oklahoma. They shouldn't. But I also think they're way better than what that result looks like against North Texas. And yeah, they were. What were they like? Nine and four last year? Uh, did they win that many games? No, 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 no they weren't. Yeah, no, seven and six. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Nine and, and four six. and seven and six sounds uh, a little bit different. Hey, by the way, uh, last segment you asked uh, what's best for the show. Great point. I mean, great point on the text line. It says, careful what you wish for. What's best for the show literally happened all season long last year. So I, it did. It absolutely That's did. what we talked about almost every post game or, you know, like Sunday or Monday. We'd have the conversation like, that is literally the best result. <laughs> and, frankly, even – you know what happened with with Lincoln and Venables getting hired? It was it was probably it has been maybe the best calendar year you could ask for if you are a college football driven sports man. talk radio show. It's been amazing. Yeah, and then OU baseball and OU softball helped us out, and some other sports did as well. But yeah, football has been uh, no, it's been the news cycle. Um, so, coach, run heavy offense and some deep shots mixed in in the past game on Saturday? What we're going to see? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what we're going to see. Yeah. Um, keep it on the ground. They've got a quarterback that, that can run the ball a little bit. Uh, as he said, he's he's probably, not probably, is their best player. He's athletic. Um, 
not gonna not gonna turn your lights out, but he can do some things. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm talking I, about OU's offense. Like that's what Lebby's. Oh that's yeah, what yeah, Lebby's yeah, yeah. Call. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that's what's gonna go down. We're gonna run the ball a lot, but you know, I would say that that's not all you're going to see. They're going to do that. They're going to take some shots. But I think you'll see a ton of RPO stuff. I think you'll see a bunch of uh, some, like, bubble and tunnel type stuff on the outside. I think you'll see them get the running backs involved in the passing game. I, I, think, I think he will spread the ball out quite a bit. And I, you know, there there'll be a time I think early on where you you kind of settle into what your offense is going to really look like, and then as the game progresses, you'll get into skewing some statistics, and you know also take some opportunities to to have some really explosive plays because let's be honest, you know things have changed. There was a time. Whenever, when you were the vastly superior team, you got up by a handful of touchdowns, turned it all the way into conservative mode, milked the clock, ran the football, just tried to get out of there without anyone getting hurt. But times have changed. And a big part of of what's changed is in order to get recruits, you need guys that are putting up statistics. Yep. You need some showy stuff. Like Dylan Gabriel, I'm, I'm guessing Jeff Levy's going to want his stat line to look fantastic, which, by the way, at some point today we need to get to these quarterback debut numbers and, and see where you think he'll match up. Okay. Willie Mays, we'll do that real quick. Uh, Willie Mays Hayes says, oh, hell, we ain't showing nothing till Texas which is Good point. Our, our favorite line on the show. Zane says, wow, Lincoln, Nebraska must have the most successful sports radio in history, <laughs> especially this Well, race. you're supposed to win those games. It's supposed to be really close, have some massive mistakes, just survive, right? Because you don't want to be playing like, in no bowl game or you know, a bad bowl game. Like nine and zero last year, and everyone being really, really upset is the perfect situation because you still have a chance to win the conference and go to the college football playoff. I heard a couple of their hosts saying that, well, it's not ideal and it's tough to come back from something like this. But if you wanted anyone at quarterback to come back from something like this, you want Casey Thompson. Heck, he blew a twenty-eight seven lead to OU last year. That Texas team blew a ton of leads. He knows exactly that the spot that this Nebraska team is the, in this year. He's used to this. He's the guy that you want at quarterback moving forward. I was like, wow. Hey, that, that is a that's a pitch. I think he's Five the quarterback you want moving year. forward because he played really good and um, his 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 play was way better than what that stat line looked like and. He still, I still thought that he did a really good job for him. Uh, have you guys heard about any walk-ons winning jobs? I mean, Justin Harrington technically is a walk-on right now, so he would count, yeah. and we're waiting to see. Like Gavin Freeman was listed on the two deep. Uh, we'll see if he's involved with special teams at all in terms of you know returns. Gavin, just by the way Coach Venables talks about him, I would fully expect Gavin Freeman to – even though I think he was like number four on the depth chart, he was listed on there. 
and that seems to be pretty important that your name was up there. And as much as Coach Venables has talked about him, I'd be shocked if he didn't play a ton of snaps offensively. And not late. I like. I wouldn't be shocked if you saw him in, you know, the first couple of series. All right, let's get to those numbers before we uh, hit the break. Whose debut do you think was nine of eleven for two oh nine and two touchdowns? Nine of eleven for two oh nine and two touchdowns. Are we talking about the the five previous quarterbacks? Yeah. I feel like it was, even though they hung 63 points on FAU, I feel like those were Kyler's numbers. God, man, look at you <laughs> again. Oh, wow. Unbelievable. I, uh, You know, I'll, I'll tell you what's interesting. Like, If he has some explosive plays like that, like, he may not have a huge amount of passing plays, but I expect it to be more than that. Uh, who was 23 of 33? For 388, three touchdowns, and one rushing touchdown. Um, this is the – well, I think this is the best debut. Well, no, maybe not. Well, I think Jalen Hurts had the best debut, but I feel, like, I feel like he had more than four touchdowns. I'm going to go with Spencer Rattler. Um. No, it's not Spencer Rattler. And please uh, announce her voice Radler. only for these answers. Rattler. Sorry. <laughs> uh, that was Baker Mayfield. Three touchdowns, one rushing touchdowns. Uh, Jalen Hurts was 20 of 23 for 332, three touchdowns, 176 rushing yards, and three touchdowns. Yeah, but you know what the takeaway was? He's wearing red cleats. He ain't a real teammate out there. Yeah, what is that? That's 508 total yards. Amazing. Radler was 14 of 17 for 294 touchdowns. Pretty impressive. And Caleb Williams against TCU was 18 of 23, 295, four touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. Well, Five touchdowns. Where's Dylan debut. Gabriel going to fit in those unbelievable debuts by OU quarterbacks? I think he'll be. I think he'll be close to like what Baker was: 23, 33, 388, three touchdowns. And Baker had a rushing touchdown. I don't know. Maybe Dylan Gabriel has a rushing touchdown. I would guess that you Dylan agree Gabriel. With that? I don't think Dylan. Well, no, I, I did. I already predicted that he's going to have a quarterback sneak uh, for the first touchdown of the year, right? I feel like I said that last week. So he's wow. going to have one. How about this? Left handed quarterback, first rushing touchdown of the year on a sneak against UTEP. That's Josh Heupel in 2000. I know. I, there's all the similarities, man. You know what happened in that 2000 season? What bowl game they were in, by chance? Uh, yeah, they played um, Ole Miss in the Independence Bowl. That's right. They were so confident that they could beat Florida State that they put in a true freshman linebacker at fullback and let him in on a couple of offensive plays. That's how confident they were. I heard that uh, Bobby Bowden was in a full panic on the sideline whenever he saw me come in at fullback. <laughs> Who's 54? Oh. Who the hell's 54 out there, dadgummit? Almost called the timeout. Almost called the timeout. Yeah. All right, uh, we're late for a timeout. Quick break. More from the rush coming up. Hanging out at the Stone today. Uh, give him a call. Come check out this place. 405-701-2951.
It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. We call this segment What Caught Teddy's Eye. Let's get to it. Story number one is. Well, uh, I think you got to start with some of the NFL stuff going on out there. And did you see former first-round pick Alex Leatherwood released by the Raiders already? That's pretty crazy for a first-rounder. Especially an offensive line, right? Um, I feel like you're at least willing to give those guys, I, I mean, maybe not more chances than some other positions, but you really bank on drafting a guy at that position and he's over there hopefully for the next 10 to 12 years. Yeah, that's a that's a major, major, major bust by the Raiders. And unfortunately for them, they haven't had a whole lot of luck uh, drafting uh, high-level Alabama players here recently, have they? Yeah. No, they they really haven't. I mean, yeah, I, I guess Josh Jacobs that. was um he's been a pretty good running back for them, but they've struck out on a couple. Right. Yeah. Um I don't know. That's uh that's strange for a guy like Leatherwood who I thought was was really, really good at Alabama. Um I you gotta think maybe it's a guy that just kind of um maybe lost the hunger a little bit, like lost Vegas? the fight a little bit. Yeah, well, there's another part of it, which is uh, which is kind of interesting. I also saw this, which I thought was uh, fascinating, and I knew that she was legit, but I didn't know she was this good. Dennis Rodman's daughter just signed uh, the largest uh, soccer contract, I think, in history, or at least of that um, of that the league that she's in, National Women's Soccer League, uh, four year. $1.1 million deal. How about that? Good for her. Huh? I had no idea that he had a daughter and she was a great athlete. <laughs> I had no, every time I see Dennis Rodman in the news, it's, oh, he's going to visit Vladimir Putin now because they have some sort of a he, – he's going overseas somewhere to meet with their leader. That's the only time I see about anything about Rodman. Yeah. Um, now, I saw this, and this has been kind of making the rounds everywhere today. Um Boston College's quarterback, Phil Jerkovic, who was at uh, Notre Dame whenever Brian Kelly was there, I guess. I don't know what where the interview was or whatever, but was saying some bad stuff about uh, Brian Kelly. And, and I never heard the whole interview, but I, I read the article, and people were saying it looks bad on Brian Kelly. Like I don't – did you see the article, Tyler? No, I did or not. Or some of this stuff? I don't know. He was He was – Basically saying that Brian Kelly lied to him about playing time and uh, didn't like how the Notre Dame coaches treated people. And uh, it just came across like really bad because he's a current player in college football, plays for Boston College right now. I thought it was just strange. And in my, I, I guess I took it different than everyone else. I thought it was a bad look for him, not for Brian Kelly. Yeah, like, uh, go play your season, man. Quit worrying about Brian Kelly, who's not even at Notre Dame anymore. They got a new staff, and he's at LSU. That is odd to bring that up now. But disgruntled players, it's a real thing in collegiate athletics. Happens everywhere. Yeah, that's all I had. Uh, David Hicks, five-star defensive lineman out of the Ooh. state of Texas. He has announced his official visit will be on November 19th to OU, which is the Bedlam game. And I think that that could work out to be a great scenario for OU. I think the best home field crowd or advantage this year is going to be in that Bedlam game after what happened last year. 
I think that late in the year is really when you can see this defense start to turn it on and play some pretty good ball. I think OU's going to have a lot on the line November 19th. That might be the ideal weekend of your biggest fish left in this 23 class to be visiting. I like that a lot. Wow. Now, I'm guessing he – He's made the decision that his commitment isn't going to come until like maybe signing well, day. Well, he or said really January late. before, uh, before you know the the January. tables really turned in OU's favor. It was January at the earliest. Parker was saying today that, yeah, I think that decision might come before the end of November. Huh. Well, uh, that's good. Uh, hey, when you're hosting a five-star D lineman and still feel like you've got a really good chance, that's awesome. Yeah, TCU plays at Colorado late Friday yeah. night, and they have a quarterback battle going on between the Morris package, Chandler Morris and Max Duggan. New head coach Sonny Dykes said today, <laughs> he, threw, he threw a real big curveball today, he said, well, I could see a scenario where I play three quarterbacks in the opener. Sounds like they'll at least play two, who knows. He's leading on, and I don't believe it, that he could play three quarterbacks in game one against CU. It's a race to the bottom to see who can uh, be the most ridiculous with their starting quarterback situation, right? Whether it's announcing it through your sports information director in a, um, oh, by the way, type of uh, manner like Texas did, or to committing to starting two quarterbacks in back-to-back games, two different quarterbacks, uh, maybe playing three guys. Yeah, it's it's strange. It's it's a race to the ridiculous. Um, good news for a former Sooner today, and he was totally off my radar, I'll be honest. Mike Woods made the Browns 53-man roster today. Awesome news for hey. him. I had no idea nice. that yeah, he was running nice. for that. That's big time. It's hard to make it at wide receiver now, especially if you're not a highly drafted guy. Um, Joey Helmer of OUinsider.com, he was at the press conference today, and he tweeted out a picture of the scoreboard because I guess they're basically testing it today to see if everything works. Mm -hmm. The scoreboard reads like this. Oklahoma 42, UTEP 9. Of course, it's still in the first quarter. There's no time. Uh, OU has negative three rushing yards, 31 passing yards, 28 total yards. So they have 28 total yards, and they're up on UTEP 42-9. UTEP has 16 rushing yards, 79 passing yards, and 95 total yards. Just a, a funny to look at 42-9, and UTEP has like 70 more total yards on the mock hey. scoreboard that they have today. I love it. You talked about um, one of the narratives uh, overreaction is going to be defense. I think it will be uh, a big overreaction, especially if we have six defensive touchdowns in the first quarter the best though 42 points was at the far right corner of the scoreboard and what a troll job this is and it was really hard to see it you kind of had to look for it but in the bottom right hand corner there's that out of town scoreboard and it says kansas 14 texas 7 12 minutes and 37 seconds left in the first quarter i don't know if that was intentional today but if it was, job well done by whoever was testing or running the scoreboard today. I got a laugh out of that one. And that situation is very believable. 14-7, less than wow. three minutes in. That's crazy. I'm wondering, what was our last home game last year? 
Uh, Iowa State, the thick six. So, because I'm wondering, like, if that was, like, one of the last, uh, if that would have been the last thing on the scoreboard. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. Um, I, I know that Texas played that Kansas State. Game. Texas played Kansas State. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, may, maybe so. Um, I know Texas played Kansas State that last week. Maybe, I think te- uh, Texas was on the road the week before that. Last one I have, Anthony Evans, huge flip on Friday from Georgia to OU, four-star wide receiver. Um, yeah. I'm looking at a YouTube link from the Oklahoma vs. the World Twitter account, and I guess in this video he says, quote, I did tell OU I was going to Georgia, and Coach Jay Valai was like, this is not what you want to do. He made it easy for me, and that's my guy. So, boomer, in quotes. He told him he wow. was going to Georgia, and Valai was like, yeah, but that's not really what you want to do. And I guess he was like, yeah, you're right. I'm just going to go to OU instead. That's a power move. Is that, is that a like a Jedi mind trick? Basically. You know, you're not a Star Wars guy, but um, that sounds like a Jedi mind trick. I like that. Uh, pretty impressive. I'm glad he got that done. Oh, that reminds me. Whenever you're talking about the scoreboard, um, the uh, did you see the video of someone put out of Venables out there running? Yes, stadium steps. Stadium two steps. Days, again. I think two days I in guess a row. That, yeah, it must have been right after the press conference, or maybe right before it. I don't know. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number two next.